0: was 1989 it was the year that I would enter Texas Christian University as a freshman I entered as an English and journalism double major I would peel that back after a while because I realized if I wanted to graduate in less than six years I needed to just pick one ultimately because I was in the journalism department for about the first 90 days of my time at TCU I got to know some of the faculty, including the department head. His name, Dr. Anantha Babeli. I had some discussions with him because I started to see how my load was going to just be overwhelming. And what if I just did English writing emphasis and he encouraged me not to give up on journalism even though I would give up the degree? What we agreed to was that I would take the writing classes in the English department, but I would participate in all of the journalism extracurricular activities that the other journalism students would. So for instance, I'd write for the SCIF, the campus newspaper. I would be on the radio, KTCU, the radio station. I would even contribute features to the high gloss magazine image. All of that experience would help me to understand how to write a couple of different ways. You see, in English, it's really based on MLA style. Um, In journalism, it's based on AP style, which is exactly what I'm teaching my students at TCU today. Well, you may recall a part of this story. I talk about it in the TCU lead-on campaign. I mentioned a professor who would take four journalism students to the local chapter meetings of the National Association of Black Journalists each month at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. That, my friends, was Dr. Anantha Babbley, and the connections I made in that room and beyond would set the course for my journey in my career all the way until now. He's also my thesis chairperson, and I call him my beyond mentor because even before I knew what a mentor really was supposed to be, he was doing that, and he hasn't left me yet. Without further ado, I wanna introduce you to Dr. Anantha Bavali. We're gonna talk a bit about globalism media, communications, diversity, coronavirus, and a whole lot more. Take a walk down memory lane with me as I bring on my dear friend, my beyond mentor, professor of media and communications at Texas A&M University, Corpus Christi, Dr. Anantha Back. I'm so excited about this. You have no clue. We too. Everybody,
1: I want to introduce to you Dr. Anantha Babeli. He is a professor of communications
0: and media at Texas A&M Corpus Christi. But you got to understand, we go a long way back, don't we, Dr. Babeli?
1: <laughs> yes yes absolutely more than two decades yeah
0: yeah, yeah. oh goodness if we count you know i was at homecoming this year uh-huh. and i estimated it was between 26 and 27 years that i walked out on the 50 yard line in the homecoming court
1: so oh my. It's,
0: it's getting close to 30 years dr babley
1: oh my god how time flies yeah. i you
0: and y'all look he asked me to call him Anantha. I can't even bring myself to do it. He says, I'm old enough and I've earned it. But you know what? This is Dr. B. It will always be Dr. B to me.
1: Okay. Whichever, whatever makes you feel comfortable, Vishal. But you have earned it, though. Oh, you're you awesome. Call
0: well, listen, what do you think we have a Culture Soup moment?
1: My goodness, the, the things that are going on in the world today—yes—just an astonishing array of events, and such a diverse interpretations of reality in the world today is just—you know—it's getting it's so us okay. into—you know. So the I ask you about these things. Yes, yes. This yes. moment, yes. I comb the
0: threads and I see what everybody's talking about, and if you cannot avoid hashtag coronavirus or hashtag COVID-19 and yes. that's the disease that started in China that's been contained but now uh, it's in the United States we have the NBA canceling the entire season we I know. have NCAA saying no fans at March Madness they're taking the madness I, at a March I know. what is happening
1: just imagine the ripple effects of globalization. You know, we always talked about globalization in a very positive terms, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and uh, uh, and that, you know, largely it is true. But we never expected this pandemic yeah. globalization, which sweeps, you know, every country mm-hmm. and we're not immune to it. you know, no uh, no country is immune to, no no culture is immune to this.
0: It's very scary. And, you know, I have on my TCU shirt, and we'll talk about our (laughs) connection to TCU. But I received phone call, recorded messages, text messages, emails from the school. We're extending spring break. We're on spring break now. Next week, we're going to be on spring break, too. They're telling all the students to stay home,
1: the ones that are
0: already at home, the ones that are there, they have to stay there. Can't go anywhere. And we're going to online classes on the 23rd when we, quote, unquote, virtually return.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Until the 3rd of April. That so is one of the first yeah. universities to make that kind of move. I'm sure yeah. others will follow. But talk to me. I mean, first of all, yeah. explain yeah. what globalism means. I know because I attended your class
1: back in 1989 yeah. <laughs> but for everybody
0: else that's out there that may not know define globalism
1: you know the the idea of globalization or globalism is basically that that things travel internationally uh, across boundaries mm-hmm. of cultural boundaries too literally on a uh, everyday basis yeah. and and whatever happens in one country will surely have an impact in many many other countries mm. so the definition is international is also intercultural and uh, and the way uh, these days is that there's so much of ethnic diversity in in every country that International is not necessarily across the boundaries, mm-hmm. but it is also internal mm-hmm. um, in one country because it is so intercultural that uh, that particular discourse happens literally on, on a, you know, literally every second and every hour yeah. and every day. You know? wow. So that's the macro definition of, of globalization or globalism. And most of the time we interpreted it as economic globalism, you know, where trade dominates it and uh, business, uh, you know, uh, transfer of goods Mm -hmm. and services, you know. But these days, though, because of the high tech communications, that we are literally saturated, you know, and it's not just economic globalization, you know, it's cultural and it is um, political and also, more importantly now. Even diseases, yes. the human condition that travels across boundaries immediately. Well, and let's know? think
0: about this. Now that we have this air travel that is something that everybody seems to do, it is mm-hmm. inexpensive. The common man or woman can board a flight and they can yeah. go anywhere in the world. And, in you know, fact. one of the first financial engines is having a difficult time right now is the travel industry. airlines. Yeah hotels. I mean, Joni and I were supposed to go to Disney World next week. We are not going. Oh, no. We'll put it off, but until when?
1: I know. I know. You know, air travel is, is like a bus travel now. Yeah. You know, it's like a train travel. Right. You know, it's so convenient and so, you know, so inexpensive. And um, it's, it's not just for domestic purposes. You know, the, the, even the business enterprise mm-hmm. has begun to rely so much on air transportation. And look at Amazon, yeah. you know, it's not just the people moving, but it's also good the way. They sh- they are shipped around the world instantaneously. Just massive explosion, yeah. exponential explosion of of how things happen. Well, days. and it's interesting
0: because our <clears throat> I call him 45. I don't really name him on this show, but <laughs> he spoke last night and a lot of people were disappointed in what he had to say because he said, you know what? This is just a moment in time. It's not a financial thing. What? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. This is a major
0: financial thing.
1: I know. Um, I know. And, and the the impact, you know, one sphere of human life has on all other spheres of life, you know? Right. It And and countries by and large uh, are inexperienced with handling pandemic diseases. Mm-hmm. I mean, they 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 don't have a firmly set crisis communication plan mm-hmm. for, the, for the entire country. Uh, and, you know, nationally, um, that any political entity should have a crisis communication plan ready, you know. Right. Uh, and, and that strategy, even in advanced countries, from Europe to United States to Japan and Russia, we, they're not equipped, to, to really deal with a major pandemic crisis right. like that.
0: So we see Italy closing its borders. They're on lockdown, yeah. however you exactly. do that. <laughs> how many millions and exactly. millions of people can't go anywhere outside of Italy? And now we have 45 saying, we are banning travel to Europe
1: I know. I know. I had a
0: friend in Iceland just last week, and I was texting her frantically saying, "Are you back? Get back before you get stuck."
1: My know. I know. Have friends I getting know. on a
0: cruise ship,
1: trying to stop them, they won't listen. No, you know. But just imagine the unfathomable scenario: something happens in Wuhan, China, yeah. and NBA. Or our athletic yes. events shut down. I mean, what? What? The, the look at the global connection. It's, you know, it's amazing. And, oh, absolutely. And the how. advertisers.
0: This is the thing. Okay, I was explaining this to my my little girl who's seven, and she gets it. Uh huh. I said, uh-huh. you know, forty five just jacked up the the economy. It, it just just janked it with uh-huh. Uh-huh. this by having a slow response. And not taking it seriously. So now, look at the NBA. They shut down the entire season. Let's think about all the vendors in the arenas that don't get work. Let's think about the ticket sales that do not happen because the bodies will not be in seats. Or they're getting refunded. Let's think about the advertisers that pay for all that space on television.
1: And beyond,
0: out of home, whatever you're doing, that's money
1: absolutely and the massive repercussions of that you know it's rippled literally into every sphere of life L- look at the medical establishment now yeah. the scientific you know field which which uh, discovers and invents the cures for human diseases you know yeah. they are so hard pressed now literally you know science doesn't occur in a vacuum yeah. i mean it it, it's, it it draws from the society and um and instantaneously, they have to react, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a crisis mode. It really um, pressures the entire industry, uh, you know, the hospitals and, and you know, the, the, the response, medical response to this. Right. And no country, you know, uh, we are looking at the United States, but look at every other country. It, it is going through a real crisis yeah. movement and we have to be very cautious of how it impacts on society, yes. because xenophobia, for example, or the, the fear of the unknown, mm-hmm. um, those kind of things uh, have to be really watched, yeah. you know, and, and a country has to take precautions uh, to avoid those kind of uh, stages, you know, which, which, which and, you know this kind of crisis ends up in, you know.
0: well and let's talk about the very thing that brought us together and that's media media's yeah. role in all of this is so crucial and words yes. matter and pictures matter you taught me that yeah. so I one know. of the first things that I heard just little little tidbits here and there on any of the, the cable newscasts right they were yeah. calling this yeah. disease exotic and that oh. that had underpinnings of wait what just because I it came know. from China, we're going to call it what? And it also I distanced don't. us, don't you think, from it? Yeah, because if it's exotic, it's that thing over there.
1: I know, I know. And that, that, that's, that's one of the things that media has to watch. And it is self self-correcting process. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do correct themselves eventually. But, you know, you cannot sensationalize, you cannot dramatize uh, diseases like this. I mean, because the, the society is dependent on the media for credible information without sensationalism. Mm-hmm. You know, we have seen that throughout history, yeah. you know, the the black plague uh, to, you know, how certain ethnicity, um, you know, uh, has been singled, singled out, you know, for a cause yeah. and, and, and things like that really have dangerous effects. I mean, India, for example, mm-hmm. you know, went through polio, went through smallpox, went through uh, cholera, chickenpox, you know, um, and, and which reminds us of the bubonic mm-hmm. plague of Europe. I mean, how uh, and how things happen in so fast that, you know, if, if the governments have to be so cautious and so self-aware of the dangers that lurk behind these developments. You know, and media has to play a very central role in stabilizing and, and, and in kind of reassuring you know, their uh, audiences that, you know, this is not time to panic. This is not time to politicize and don't don't think about politics. This is the human condition right. that we have to respond to. And, and let's be very cautious about that. If the media doesn't take that sort of a leadership, right. Right. we are in really, really bad shape. Look at Italy. Mm-hmm. The Italian okay. journalists uh, are telling us that, that uh, you know, coronavirus has actually cannibalized Uh, the rest of the journalistic enterprise, because they do not have time to cover any other event Mm -hmm. that that could be significantly impacting on Mm -hmm. us. And Mm -hmm. they do not have time to interpret uh, for their citizens in such a way that citizens actually understand the significance of this disease Mm -hmm. and how it spreads, and, you know, what do you mean by social distancing? Mm -hmm. What exactly is that? I mean, everybody has one image of, uh, a different image of what social distancing is, you know? So you need to be, uh, the media has to educate its its audiences, its its, its customers, to be specific, to be very clear, and this is an educational enterprise, actually. Media has to take on that role of being an educator Mm -hmm. now, you know?
0: Well, you know what? All of what you're saying is taking me back (laughs) to the year 1989 where at TCU I entered with about 199 other students, (laughs) a lecture hall at Sid Richardson. And there you were down because it was an amphitheater type style (laughs) lecture hall where we've, you know, theater style. We'd sit there and we were kind of looking down at you. Right. Cause we, the, yeah, the, yeah. the, the
1: exactly. chairs
0: went up, the seats went up yeah,
1: yeah. and there you the stadium were. Stadium. And you yeah.
0: would ask us a current event question right off the top in the mass communications yeah. freshman class. Yeah. And you yeah. challenged us to know what was going on in the world.
1: I know. Yeah. And how important <laughs> that
0: is. You know what, Dr. Babley, I took that from you. I do that with my students now.
1: Wow, and they literally thank me.
0: And it's a writing and editing class in strategic communications. Yeah. And they're like, you know what? This gives us a reason to really pay attention because they yeah. don't, which is scary.
1: I know with all the social media sources, with all the, you know, they're inundated with information, yet they don't know the headlines of the day, you know, and how can they live? I mean, in a way, day-to-day life without drawing from what's happening around, yes. you know, in the, in the surrounding, you know, areas that, that they are living in. And uh, that's what I tell the students, that you cannot live in a vacuum, right. you know, uh, you cannot live in a world of social media that is so clearly and, and, and narrowcasted to define your existence. You know, there is a world out mm-hmm. there. There is a community out there we live in. and they have to be connected to
0: them. You make a really good point about narrowcasting, and that's one of the things that social media allows us to do that's pretty negative, build our very own echo chambers where we can shut out the things that we don't want to hear. And for so many, it's news.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, the news bubble that we talk about, you know, we live in a news bubble that we have defined it for ourselves. You know, the type of bubble we live Mm -hmm. in, you know, it has to fit our viewpoints. It has to fit our perspectives, you know, our own ideological bias. You know, that that, that kind of a bubble will simply self-contain mm-hmm. Uh, a citizen uh, to live in that bubble and that's absolutely it's so unhealthy for a democracy right. because you shut out all other viewpoints and all other definitions of reality yeah you know uh, and that's that's the danger in in uh, in how media and individuals react you know dangerous. Connect.
0: was fortunate to not just have you in that freshman class and by the way that's where I learned to study because you would yeah. come in and you would lecture and you were so fascinating and you would get Boy. a discussion going and y'all I'm about to date myself because I likened it to Donahue. Now some of you out there have, don't even know who that is <laughs> but he had a talk yeah. show that pretty much Oprah patterned her show after and exactly. it was a lively talk show. So, Dr. Yeah. Beckley would literally ask us for our informed point of views.
1: And yeah, students yeah. would stand
0: up and they would give them, and okay, a debate yeah. would always ensue.
1: Yeah. And it was wonderful. Exactly.
0: But the thing was, we weren't reading like we needed to the first semester.
1: <laughs>
0: so, when that I know. midterm came, man, we all tanked the midterm. But we learned, and you told us, I told you to read the text.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You still remember in detail, yes. my God.
0: I can't forget that. I mean, I mean at 18, you're, you're pretty impressionable. It, it matters what happens when you're that age, and it's one of yeah. the reasons why. I've kept a connection to all sorts of universities, UNT, yeah. TCU, HBCUs yeah. like Howard and Lane College. I'm always there speaking uh, because I believe that that is a pivotal point for people absolutely. to make up their minds about things,
1: I know. to open their I know. minds
0: and learn things. And so, if they They're, can see someone like me, even if they are not like me, they need to see somebody like me.
1: Yeah, and, and share yeah. different
0: points of views in a safe environment.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And this is how I, I, I'm is. actually
0: feeding the pipeline of rock star leaders. You know. As an executive coach. Um, But Dr. Babley, look, you stuck (laughs) with me. And I tell this story on the TCU Lead On campaign where they actually came to my home, went to my job and shot a video. It's still on the website. Leadon.tcu.edu. That's where you can go. I see. And you can see it. Okay. But I tell the story of a professor that put about four of us in the backseat of his car once a month and took us to the (laughs) Fort Worth Star-Telegram. To meet with what was then the Dallas-Fort Worth Association of Black Communicators, which would be the Dallas chapter of the National Association of Black Journalists. At 18, Uh, I became a member. Thanks to you. And that's where I met John McKay, who just retired, the anchor here in Dallas. I met Cheryl Smith, who is still, um, she's a publisher here locally Mm -hmm. for the black press. I met all sorts of people that I grew up with, Roland Martin, (laughs) I mean, we all know who he is, right? And then beyond Dallas, this network Uh, of black journalists all in mainstream and black journalism. And it has defined my career like you would not believe. Even as a PR professional, Uh, my first mm -hmm. line of business was media relations. I knew everybody. (laughs)
1: That's amazing. Yeah, I know. But I got know. my first job in,
0: in television news as an intern uh-huh. because you introduced me to Janet Johnson, who worked for the yeah. Weather Channel for a long time. And she's in Atlanta yes. right now, still in contact with her. Still consider wow. her to be a mentor.
1: And you know Alfred Charles? Yes, you Alfred. My... Alfred's still <laughs> one of
0: my best friends.
1: Oh, my. He's doing great, and I believe
0: he's in California right now.
1: Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, in digital oh. media.
0: Still doing what he does.
1: Very good at it. He's
0: been all over the place. But Alfred was the editor of the Skiff. And for anybody that doesn't know, that's the campus newspaper.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Oh, my goodness. You remember (laughs) that? Yeah. a little bit of a stir. Oh, my. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I,
0: I want to bring this up because ultimately my master's thesis which I've shared mm-hmm. on my, my social um, community often. I've shown yes. them the spine. In fact, I, I have it right here. Hold on. Hold on.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> here it is.
1: There you yes. go, oh my. <laughs> yes. Back I, on. You know, I have a copy of that in my so office. The reason I, I have a copy of that in my you office. You do? You
0: still do? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Y'all, this is my first published work. Um, it's in a yeah, library somewhere in Connecticut or something <laughs> it's yeah, also yeah.
1: in the TCU library has, yeah, in the archives yes it's in the archives
0: I whipped yeah. it out Dr. Babbley, just recently in the last three years because I had the amazing opportunity to meet and work with mm-hmm. Dr. Henry Louis Gates who I quote throughout oh really he has, he's a friend oh, now wow. <laughs> yeah. And he's invited me to this, his classroom, and I'll go, and, and, and at some point, you know, when he's teaching, I think he teaches in the fall, and sit at Harvard yeah. and listen to him. I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's
1: huge. Oh, my but this, goodness. But
0: this, everybody, my master's thesis, Dr. Babley was my thesis chairperson. And when you get your master's degree, you have somebody that kind of ushers you through the process of research and writing, and they make sure that you get it just right before you go and defend it in front of these scholars who sit up there and yeah. don't smile.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. But this is my first
0: work in diversity and inclusion before people called it that.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And you had everything mm. to do with
0: this. Uh, my value proposition centers around tech culture and business. And to this yes. day, I talk about a list that I wrote of six things that I wanted to do when I had the credibility, the experience, the network, and I'm doing mm, them all I, right now, Dr. Babbley.
1: Oh, Michelle, I'm so proud I'm of proud you. I'm proud of you.
0: I mean, my goodness. I,
1: you know, and the journey you took and some of the top echelons of our American industry. Yeah. And, you know, you rose up to executive level appointments yes. and, uh, you know, this is, this is a, a, a testament to your um, sense of uh, social commitment, oh. you know, and, and the social responsibility that you felt on, on your shoulders from early, yeah. early on. You exhibited that, that, you know, the sense of commitment yeah. to society larger than us. I you talk know?
0: to professionals about how they are keys to your future and your past and you yes, have to own your yes. story. And so when I look back and I think about that column at the skiff, and I you know, it was just an eight to write about things and topics on racial equality when I I was on a campus with three percent black people. Just three. Yeah. (laughs) Just three. And the international (laughs) students, even less, right? Latina students, even less, Asian students, even less. So (laughs) mind you. Throwing that into that environment at that point, yeah. and we were in the mid nineties, um, early nineties. Um, yeah. It was shocking right. to a lot of students.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And, and the way we exhibited that diversity, you know, uh, it was a learning tool for everybody on campus. Yeah. And you challenged them to uh, examine uh, their own viewpoints and perspectives you know, before they decided on the legitimacy of those perspectives. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you really uh, contributed phenomenally to TCU. You I know, appreciate that.
0: I tell you something. Yeah. There's so, a little legal thing going on at TCU right now that I can't really talk about. But if you look at the oh, really? legal brief, uh-huh. they actually pulled at least three of my articles from the SCIF. <clears throat>
1: Oh, my.
0: I know. So, of course, as faculty, oh. I'm like, okay, I'm out of it, right? But on the other hand, I'm like, if I can help this young woman,
1: yeah. Oh. how many
0: years later my words still oh matter?
1: My. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I mean,
0: that was one that made me, like, sit down and think and shed a tear.
1: Oh, my God. See, that those are the lasting contributions, yes. Michelle. Before as the internet, may.
0: when you could just Google it mm-hmm. and find it, like, they literally had to go to the library and pull, like, probably microfilm.
1: <laughs> I tell you, you know, that is, you know. And these days, the challenges for, you know, uh, diversity in the media are, are much more complex yeah. because, you know, we tend to think that social media and the reach of electronic media, you know, is so extensive now. But but, but that's, that's deceiving, yeah. you know, in a way that we have not had, um, any increase in in the in the uh, number of uh, you know diverse journalists or, or media professionals, and the perspectives you know uh, are in the public sphere, mm-hmm. so called, you know, are still uh, limited. Yeah. You know, so
0: well. I'm not the only one that recognizes the heft and the absolute fantastic awesomeness of Dr. Babbley. I call him my beyond mentor. You know, as I build my personal board of directors over the years. He's a part of my tribe, but you're a Carnegie. Tell me what that is.
1: Uh, yeah. The Carnegie foundation's yes. Texas professor of the year when I was at TCU, you know, uh, and for, that was for the first time, a media, uh, academician, you know, wow. a professor ever got that award. So I was, my I was surprised myself, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, so uh, it was it was reserved for more of us you know science professors or mathematics, yeah. you know, but never for journalism and media studies uh uh professors. That's amazing. You know? So that was the first time. So proud got. of you.
0: And you're at AM Corpus Christi. And what are you teaching there?
1: Well, I'm right now uh, global media and international communication, First Amendment studies, oh, wow. uh, you know, and ethics of communication. Um and media and society and global leadership too, international leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, we, uh, we are at this geographic uh, location in Corpus Christi, you know. Um, the border is not too far from right. here to Mexico and the entire Central and South America. And there's an incredible uh, cultural um, vibrancy in this area, yeah. you know. so uh, and, and in a way, that's a good mix for me uh, a lot of Hispanic um, Americans mm-hmm. uh, and uh, international students, and you know, uh, quite a diversity mm-hmm. in this region. So that is kind of uh, my my commitment is to address that diversity, draw the best from that diversity, you know, and and make it useful in the classroom, so that as professionals, our students will benefit later right. on from. That's
0: amazing. You have poured into so many. You probably don't even know how many. (laughs) I mean, there were 200 people in my class alone when I was a freshman. And that was just my freshman (laughs) class.
1: (laughs) If you think about all Uh, the
0: graduate students and undergraduate students, the lives that you've poured into. Dr. Babley, thank you. That's
1: awesome. Well, thank you. You know, in fact, I roughly counted at TCU because of the large classes I mm-hmm. taught, you know, there were about 14,000 <gasps> students who went wow. through my classrooms. At any, That's you know, amazing. Those, those the year, during the years I was there, 14,000 students who went through my and classes. And most of them are killing it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and the alumni, you know, T.C. alumni still yes to keep in touch with me. A lot of, of them in you know, order Drop me a line, you know, and say how much they appreciated something that I did in the classroom, which that, you know, it impacted on their professional yeah. lives and personal lives. Yeah. You know? It's meaningful. So,
0: uh, it's meaningful. I was at PMG Digital Agency. It's a worldwide agency there in Fort Worth to speak to what they call their We Collective. It's a group that champions equality it's a kind of uh-huh. an employee resource group type thing and as i'm speaking i notice a young woman she's kind of smiling and i'm like okay well she she really likes what i'm saying after it's over she eased up to me and said you may not remember me but you guest lectured in dr ashley english's classroom and cases pr cases oh, last year good. and i just want to let you know i never forgot it and I love what you're doing. Please keep doing what you're doing. That stuff See, just messes me up.
1: <laughs> that's the impact yes. teaching has on, on in society. Yeah. You know, absolutely. And it doesn't
0: matter who they are, what their ethnic background. Yeah. It does not matter.
1: It's I know. all God's that children and it's beautiful. Yes, Absolutely. You know, so we have to catch we up, got to, We got to, Next
0: time you're in Dallas. And oh, a little trivia, yes. trivia uh, fact real quick.
1: Uh-huh.
0: When I started my agency back in 2002, 2003, I brought on a bunch of millennials and they were young millennials then. Now they're, oh, you know, they're all getting married, you know, knocking on the door of the C-suite, you know, they got their own families and yeah. all. But among the hires, I hired Dr. Babley's daughter Laura Badley, yes, who is Laura. amazing.
1: <laughs> I know. She's still at Cisco, right? Uh, yes, yes. So, she, she went to IBM for a okay. while and she enjoyed it yeah. there. And I think she is making a transition back okay. to Cisco. Well,
0: she is a social media <laughs> maven. And during that <laughs> time is when social media blossomed 2007, 2008. Remember what we're talking about? Exactly. And so our little yeah. agency had a leg up. Well, at least it was even with the big agencies because they didn't know what to do with the stuff either. (laughs) So we learned it. And every last one of the young people that were in my office right then are thriving as social media and digital and um, event and experience professionals at American Express. You know, I could just name them. like,
1: I'm like, these are my kids. God, that's amazing, Michelle. Yeah. Uh, you know. So
0: tell Laura. I said, "Hey,
1: good. I will. Yeah. I sure will." What do will. you have coming you up? Do you have
0: any projects you're working on? You're going to be speaking <clears throat> anywhere? Oh,
1: <clears throat> yeah. Um, so uh, I'm actually concentrating on uh, how how uh, the global governance of the internet is is impacting on global diversity. Okay. Okay. So that's one area, and the second one I recently it intrigued me is the uh, pandemic mm-hmm. uh, spread of diseases and internet. Uh, put it in the in a lens of international communication. Mm-hmm. You know how internet and social media are impacting on the, our understanding of the pandemic diseases, okay. and um, you know YouTube recently banned any um, uh, monetization of. Uh, of uh, the coronavirus, oh, wow. you know, and it, yeah. And, and, and there was a huge outcry by the creators of social media content. So YouTube is now rethinking it, that ban, but you know, when, when you monetize uh, social media content um, and, and there's a whole, there's a great deal of risk of uh, manipulation of data and manipulation of our understanding of the pandemic mm-hmm. diseases, you know, and so, uh, even the White House is now urging social media and high tech people to be very cautious about misinformation regarding coronavirus. Mm-hmm. You know? so, so, these are all the issues which I want to examine in my research. I know how pandemic diseases can be impacted by international media and international communication. That you know?
0: is fascinating. I mean, I could sit yeah. there and just listen to you talk about all of this and learn so well, uh, much. Just like I did way back in the day. And Dr. Babley, I so Thanks. appreciate you covering on this show.
1: Absolutely. It's my great pleasure. And Michelle. you're on social
0: media. You're not very active, but you do have handles. Where can people follow yeah. you?
1: Um, uh, I have a Facebook account. So just under my name, you know, Anantha Babley. And, and you're on you Instagram
0: are. too, but you're not on there that often. But you're Anantha Babley <laughs> there as well.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And my my uh, Yahoo, I mean, email is also a very good way to reach mm-hmm. me, Anantha S. Babbley at yahoo.com. Awesome.
0: Dr. Babeli, thanks for coming on. Next time you're in wow. Dallas, we've got to have dinner or lunch or a coffee or something.
1: Thank you so much. So greetings from Texas A&M University, Corpus Christi and you know you take care and uh enjoy the spring break okay
0: awesome
1: and be cautious about you know oh yeah take
0: care take good care what an awesome conversation with the dr anantha babley professor of media and communications at texas a&m corpus christi and my beyond mentor from tcu days thank you dr babley for coming on Find us online at theculturesoup.com, on Instagram and Twitter at The Culture Soup, and on Facebook at The Culture Soup Podcast. Until next week.
1: The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Silos Communications, LLC.
0: The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications, LLC see.